Hello, Pastor Stephen Mohan and your beautiful family and church. It's a great honor for me to be able to take some time to share a message with you guys. Most of you don't know me. My name's Danny Guglamucci and I was planned to be with you a couple of years ago. And then uh, sadly, uh, I went through a cancer journey. It was a sad story, but it was a good story where Jesus was with me all the way through that. And uh, we're still going through some health issues, but uh, it was sad that I couldn't be with you. We had planned to uh, be at the church and Pastor Jeff Woodward is one of my great friends. And we've been introduced through Pastor Jeff and it's just a great honor uh, to be trusted uh, with the word of God. And I've gone to prayer and asked the Lord to uh, encourage me with what to share that I pray will be a huge blessing to you guys and, and also some practical instruction from the Word of God. Uh, sending our love to you with all this COVID stuff that's going on and I know how painful it's been for your nation and for you guys and for the whole world now, the things that are so upside down and, and the Church of Jesus has been affected by all this in many different ways. And I just pray today that what I share will be prophetic enough for us to be able to move forward as the church of God in all that he's asking us to do in these difficult times. Uh, we just have to take one close look at scripture and we see that the church of Jesus and the Bible flourished in difficult times. It didn't fall apart. It flourished, it grew, uh, and it was the strongest even under persecution. My prayer for you is that your Christianity will not just be uh, endured, but it'll be enjoyed in the midst of all the challenges. I believe you've been doing a series on heroes, and one of those heroes is Phineas in the Bible. And it's interesting, Pastor Stephen, when you asked me uh, about sharing and you mentioned Phineas as one of the heroes, um, my mind goes back to when I was a young man and uh, I was running a youth group in the church that I was in. and. One day in my journaling, I read about Phineas, and as I read about Phineas, something about his zeal, something about his passion really touched my life. And I thought, God, if I can have that kind of zeal, and if I can have that kind of passion, this doesn't just touch my life, but it can touch generations. We see in the story of Phineas, and we're gonna read it in just a moment, and we need to go to it and read it together. Uh, we see that uh, the promise of God to such a zealous and passionate young man was that future generations would be in God's leadership lineage of priesthood because of passion and zeal. Let's go to it today and let's read it together. And uh, I'm just going to put my phone down here and uh, open up my Bible. I've one of my issues with my health is that my eyes have been affected. And so if you can see, I have a very large Bible with very big print. Uh, but that's because uh, I have to be able to see what I'm reading. And I love the word of God. And so let's read it together. Numbers chapter 25. While the Israelites were camped at Acacia Grove, some of the men defiled themselves by having sexual relations with local Moabite women. These women invited them to attend sacrifices to their gods. So the Israelites feasted with them and worshipped the gods of Moab. In this way, 
Israel joined in the worship of Baal of Peor, causing the Lord's anger to blaze against his people. The Lord issued the following command to Moses, seize all the ringleaders and execute them before the Lord in broad daylight. So his fierce anger will turn away from the people of Israel. So Moses ordered Israel's judges, each of you must put to death the men under your authority who have joined in worshipping Baal of Peor. Just then one of the Israelite men brought a Midianite woman into his tent, right before the eyes of Moses and all the people as everyone was weeping at the entrance of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, the priest, saw this, he jumped up and left the assembly. He took a spear and rushed after the man into his tent. Phineas thrust the spear all the way through the man's body and into the woman's stomach. So the plague against the Israelites was stopped, but not before 24,000 people had died. Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar and grandson of Aaron, the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all Israel as I intended to in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I am making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood. For in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel making them right with me. Wow, that's a pretty intense picture. And a lot of people would look at that today and go, wow, that's a pretty crazy story. And yes, it is. And yet in these Old Testament stories, there are divine principles that we can draw from right today in the world we're living in. Uh, you know, he was as angry, Phineas was as angry as God was. There is such a thing as a righteous anger. And I think the Church of Jesus Christ needs to rise up in our Western world especially and saying, we've got to get truth back into our world. We've got to see the church arise and be a voice for the truth of God's word. And so I was looking at this passage and I thought, wow, uh, what can we learn, Lord? What can we learn right now? As we look at these heroes of faith, what are the lessons we can learn? You see, there's a difference in doing the right thing and doing what is right. Doing the right thing often is about how we look. Did it look like I did the right thing? Did I please everybody? Did, was everybody okay? I don't want to rock the boat. But sometimes when we do what is right, is different than just doing what appears to be the right thing. Doing what is right is to stand for God and his righteousness in the midst of popularity in the midst of, you know, to stand alone and be alone in something like this. And, and Phineas uh, was speaking to his own people, Israel, or he was responding to what God was saying to the people of Israel. And he stood alone and was as angry as God was about the sin that was going on. And doing the right thing is more about what looks good, but doing what is right is more about being good and doing what is good. And so there are three things I see in the story, uh, as Pastor Steve, you asked me to 
be open to share about this man of God in the Bible. And I went to it afresh and just the other day. And I saw three things I would like to share with you guys and pray that for all of us, it can be a great encouragement. You know, number one, Phineas was passionate in conviction. There's a difference between being passionate in anger, passionate in just an opinion, and that can be a human kind of passion. But when we are passionate in conviction, it's a very, very different story. You see, Phineas knew what God was angry about, and it was his own personal conviction to share that same response. And I believe that God is looking for Christians today that don't live by preference, but live by conviction. See, preferences are negotiable. I can prefer something, but you can talk me out of it, and then I'll prefer something else. But convictions are very, very different. Convictions are non-negotiable. Convictions are predetermined. You see, I know my convictions, they were not, they're not being decided now in the midst of a situation. I believe by the zeal and clarity of Phineas's approach in this story, his convictions were there before this day. He'd already lived out a righteous life or was living a righteous life. He had predetermined conviction that came to the forefront when confronted with this issue. You see, convictions are non-negotiable. Convictions are predetermined. And you know what? When it comes to conviction, it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter if others stand with you. I know in my own life, there's times I've stood alone with my convictions. There's times when others around me couldn't see what I was saying. And sometimes I've had to leave certain relationships because I felt they were detrimental to me in walking out my convictions. And yet years have come and gone, and now those convictions have put me in a steady place. They've put me in a place where I can see future generations following those convictions, just like Phineas was given the promise. He was, you know, the son of Eleazar, the grandson of Aaron, and now future generations, generational blessing is promised when we are people of genuine convictions. Convictions are lived out. They're not just thoughts. They're not preferences. They're not just ideas. They are lived out. As James says in the book of James, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Or it says faith without works is dead. I'm reminded of Daniel chapter 3 of three Hebrew boys that were thrown into a furnace they didn't decide on that day, we're not going to deny our God. They had a pre-decided much, much earlier that they were going to stand for their God in conviction. And they get thrown into a fiery furnace. And we know the story how Jesus stood with them in their fire. And, uh, you know, um, the only things that were burnt in that fire were the ropes that stopped them from walking in the fire. You know, as Christians, we can walk in the fire. We can be in the fire and walk in the fire of affliction, the fire of attack, the fire of misunderstanding, and God will take away from us the things that hold us back from walking, but he will support us and stand with us when we become people of conviction. 
And what happened with this conviction that these boys had, the very king that threw them in the fire because they wouldn't bow to him, later says, we now need to follow the God of these three guys. And an entire nation was impacted by three boys' conviction. Let me tell you, conviction is not constricting. Conviction opens the door to God's blessing. And so we see with Phineas that he was a man of passionate conviction, not just passion, passionate conviction. And I believe if ever there's a time when the church of Jesus Christ needs to be passionate in its conviction, not arrogant, not angry, not loud, but just passionate in our resolve that Jesus will not be negotiated in our lives. He is real and we are going to follow him no matter what. The second thing I discovered about Phineas, or the thought that came to my mind as I'm looking at this passage of scripture, is that he had pure motives. Not only was he passionate in zeal, but number two, he had pure motives. Phineas did not do what he did of his own accord. He didn't do it to say, look how famous I can become. His motives weren't to promote himself, weren't to work for God and show God how good he was. He just heard what God told Moses and saw God's anger towards the disobedience of God's people and heard what Moses said. And in a posture of submission, in a posture of being undercovering to the voice of God and the voice of the man of God, he moved out to do what was right. And so we see that he had pure purity of motives. I think motives are very important in our lives as Christians. Sometimes even in church world, we think if I can do that, I'll get to the top. Or if I can do that, I can become a senior pastor. If I can do that, I can become this or become that. But you know, if our motives are towards self, there's no future in that. But when our motives are, I know what God wants. I know what he's asking for. And no one's rising up here. I'm going to be that representative of my God out of a pure motive. You know, uh, that's a powerful posture. And I pray as we look at a hero like this in Scripture, that we too look at our own lives and go, am I a Christian of passionate zeal in my own heart? Do I have pure motives? And number three, he was prepared to pay the price. I mean, you know, no one, no one else put their hand up. It was a horrible story to take a sword and put it through someone's back and into the belly of the woman. It's a horrible picture. But it wasn't until an act of heroism like that, we see it in the natural, but in the spiritual, you know what? We have a sword. It's called the Word of God. It's a living sword. The Word of God. We don't fight with human weapons. We fight with the Word of God. And in our modern church today, the Word of God is being ignored. A lot of people don't even use it anymore. Uh, and, and I believe if we want to be like those heroes of faith, we need to pick up our sword. We need to pick up our sword and we need to use it for the kingdom of God to stop the things that are going to bring decay to our world. Now, we can't stop people doing the wrong thing, but we have to be that voice. We have to, in our world today, be the mouth of Jesus to a world that's so confused. And as I said earlier, 
This didn't just affect Phineas. This now affects generations. You know what one generation allows, the next generation will enjoy. And if we allow sin to be ignored in one generation, the next generation, they won't care less. And I really believe that God doesn't want to put us into boxes, but he does want to give us boundaries. And the word of God gives us the greatest boundaries, not to hurt us, but to heal us, to release us into generational blessing so that what we repair, then the next generation doesn't have to repeat. When we repair the wrong things and make them right, we set up generations for blessing. This single act of passionate conviction, pure motive, and a willingness to pay the price stopped God's anger and sent the generations and set the generations up to come for incredible blessing. We can actually read that in verse 10. Let's have a look at it again in verse 10 of this passage. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Phineas, son of Eleazar, and grandson of Aaron the priest, has turned my anger away from the Israelites by being as zealous among them as I was. So I stopped destroying all, all Israel as I had intended to do in my zealous anger. Now tell him that I'm making my special covenant of peace with him. In this covenant, I give him and his descendants a permanent right to the priesthood, for in his zeal for me, his God, he purified the people of Israel, making them right with me. What an incredible promise that we are the recipients of that promise today, generation after generation. I'm so touched by Phineas's example and all the young people that are watching this today, but of all generations across the life of the church. Why don't we embrace that? A people of passionate conviction, of pure motives and a willingness to pay the price to stand out from the crowd. Phineas stood out from the crowd. The power of one, one person standing up with conviction, pure motive, willing to pay the price, changed history. What an amazing, amazing achievement. We need this spirit in God's church today. We really do. Now, I want to just shift a little bit for a couple of moments and talk to you about what I believe God is saying now. If we're going to be passionate like Phineas, if we're going to have zealous conviction, if we're going to have pure motives and we're going to pay the price, what do we need to pay the price for? What is God saying to the church right now? I've been sharing pretty well in every message since COVID what I believe the Lord showed me, and I believe it was him when COVID first began, that there would be people that would leave the church, never to come back again, just can't be bothered. There'd be people that want to cleave to the church and do things the way we've always done them in the past. Let's get back to what we used to do. But there's other people that are going, God, there's got to be more. God, we want to be followers of you, not just takers from you. We want to be givers to your kingdom. And so, Lord, we want to follow you. And there's an army of new followers rising up with the spirit of Phineas. 
And there's also people seeking truth that don't know God, that are going to want to be attracted to this kind of Christianity and conviction living. People who are Christ seekers looking for him. In these times, we need to get back to what God is saying. A few months ago, I was praying and I said to God, God, what is your priority? And in my mind came these statements that we've all heard before. It was the great commandment and the great commission. The great commandment, and you can read it in Matthew 22, verses 34 to 40. Uh, read it in your own time. But the great commandment is about loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And then loving our neighbor as ourself. And Jesus, through the Gospels, tells us this is the most important commandment of all. And I want to share something that became part of my journey just recently. Is in the church in Australia, in many places, people have been driven with the Great Commission idea of reaching the lost. But they box that into big churches, lots of money coming in, you know, people coming from everywhere coming to an event. And we've had lots of seminars, I'm sure in your country as well, on how to manage the church and how to lead the church and leadership conferences. And, and in the process of building leadership, somewhere along the line, we've lost lordship. So we can't have leadership without lordship. And you see, before we can activate the Great Commission, which is in Matthew 28, 16 to 20, to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations and to teach people to observe God's commands by baptizing people and teaching them to observe all things. The Great Commission. But in trying to grow our churches... We've made some level of commitment to the Great Commission, but we've lost the Great Commandment. See, a lot of people are committed to church, but they're not passionately in love with Jesus. You can't love the church if you don't love Jesus first. And the Great Commandment, the greatest commandment is love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. I know I couldn't be with you because of my cancer journey. Five years ago, we lost our eldest son. He was killed by a lightning strike here in Adelaide at a youth camp. And we had another son go through mental illness and brokenness. And so our journey has been quite challenging. But I'm still standing, not because I'm great, but because my connection is with Jesus first, then the church. If it's the other way around, we're going to be in trouble. It has to be love the Lord thy God with all your mind, with all your soul. You know, with all that's within us, we need to love the Lord our God. And that's personal. You can't ask the church to do for you what only Christ can do for you. And I believe for me, I walk with Jesus personally so I can walk with church purposely. We're called to give to one another. We're called to love one another. So that's the second part of the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God. Really? Got to do that first. And then as we walk with him, we love each other. 
Today we have organized home fellowships, groups, and they're all good. Nothing wrong with that. But you know, as Christians, we should organically care for one another. Every Christian that knows another Christian should have an outward care towards that person because we love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the most greatest commandment. Jesus said there's nothing greater than this. The law of the prophets and all that hangs on this, that we love God passionately first. I think when we look at Phineas, he loved God. That's why he did what he did. He had a passionate zeal. He knew what God had asked for. And he was passionate because he was connected to following God. And I believe that it's the great commandment that the church has to get back to in loving God and loving each other organically. We've got to deal with division in the churches. We've got to deal with disagreement. We've got to deal with all that. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4, preserve the unity of the spirit. We're not united as Christians because we've chosen to be. We're united as Christians because the spirit of God lives in us. The Holy Spirit unites us. We've got to preserve it. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, preserve the unity of the spirit. And so I believe that we need to be zealous, like Phineas, to pay the price, to be passionate and have pure motives in activating the great commandment and then the great commission flows out of that. As I come to a close today, uh, thank you for listening to me. I hope I can be a blessing to you. I want to close it by making these statements. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart is true spirituality. Love, the, love your neighbor as yourself is true ministry. Make disciples of all nations means the church has, has to be in the community, has to affect the community. And teach them to observe all things is we've got to do life in proximity. Can I close by saying discipleship's not a program? Discipleship is a posture. And every believer can disciple. Just share what you know. We don't have to have this leadership qualification to be a discipler on behalf of Jesus. We have Jesus, we share Jesus. We know Jesus, we grow Jesus. We go with Jesus and we disciple those around us. Great commandment, great commission requires the passion that Phineas had. And so I pray this has been a blessing. I pray that will encourage you. And I pray one day we'll see you face to face. God bless you, Pastor Stephen, the church and the family. Catch up with you. Bye-bye.